We're continuing this morning in our series titled Good News. And we're looking at what makes the gospel event. What makes the gospel event the good and true account that God in the person of Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, and rose again from the dead. What makes that so, so good? And what makes that news in our lives? And we're doing this by seeing the pictures, the metaphors that Scripture uses to paint how beautiful this news is. So in case you don't know what a metaphor is, I'm going to give you an example. BBS this week was a zoo. It was a zoo. And you all know what I meant by that, right? I don't literally mean that it was a petting zoo, though we did have this event happen here. I mean that it was crazy, that it was wild, that it was fun, that everyone was a little bit animal-like at times. That's a metaphor. And today our metaphor is adoption. We're looking at how the Bible says that because of the good news, we are adopted by God. And the Bible says this phrase five times. And three of the times are in the book of Romans. So we're going to be reading this morning from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. You can find it on page 916 in your pew Bibles. Romans 8, 14 through 17. And we're turning there to hear from the Apostle Paul. Paul was a missionary. He was a missionary who traveled all over the known world 2,000 years ago. And what he did is he said, I have really, really, really good news. And the good news is that God's Son, Jesus Christ, He came to this earth, He died on the cross for you and me, and He rose again from the dead. And what does that mean? It changes everything. It even means that God has adopted us. So turn with me now to one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome. In Romans 8, verses 14-17 through 17, on page 916 in your pew Bibles. This is the Word of the Lord. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we might also share in His glory. This is the Word of the Lord. Paul is telling this church in Rome that God has made you His children. Now this is a metaphor. Paul isn't saying that God went to the adoption agency, He filled out all the correct paperwork according to the state of Massachusetts, and now is legally adopting you. It's a metaphor. And he's saying for those who put their faith in Jesus, God is bringing you into His family. He's making you His son. He's making you His daughter. And He's our perfect Father. When we think about adoption, we think about newborn babies or small kids. because That's kind of what we usually think of in our terms. But when Paul was writing this, you know who would be adopted? Somebody my age or older. Old people. by comparison to the kids. 
In the Roman rule of the first century, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adopted father to carry on the family name and receive all the good things that the father had. That's pretty neat, right? But why is this good news? What makes our adoption good news? And this is the big idea. The one thing I want you guys to take away this morning. For the kiddos, write it down. It's Because when we were alone, God adopted us as His children. We will feel alone in this life. But the good news mean, means that God has given us a forever home, a forever family as His adopted children. But in order to get to the good news, we need to first go back to the bad news. And I want to tell you a story this morning to illustrate the bad news. It comes from an author, Keith Miller, and he told, uh, told this in one of his books. It's about a 40-year-old woman that he met um, when he was working as a counselor. And this is her story. She said, When I was a young girl, my parents passed away and I was put in an orphanage. I was not pretty at all. And no one seemed to want me, but I longed to be adopted and loved by a family as far back as I can remember. I thought about it day and night. But everything I did seemed to go wrong. I must have tried too hard to please the people who came to look over me, and what I did was to drive them away. But then one day, the head of the orphanage told me that a family was coming to take me home with them. I was so excited that I jumped up and down and I cried like a little baby. The matron reminded me, though, that this was only a trial period, and this might not be a permanent arrangement. I just knew somehow it would work out. So I went with this family and started to school, and it was the happiest little kid that you could imagine. And then one day, a few months later, I was skipping home from school and ran into the front door of the big old house where we lived in, and no one was home. In the middle of the front hall was my battered suitcase with a little coat thrown across it. And as I stood there, it suddenly dawned on me what it meant. I didn't belong there anymore. This woman shared that she had moved between foster homes seven times before she was 13. How awful is that? Do you know what she said? She said, it was experiences like this that ultimately made me understand how much I needed the love of God. And when Jesus found me, there I found what I was always looking for. A place, a sense of belonging, a forever family. forever family. You see, the bad news is we will feel alone without the God we need. People aren't perfect. Families aren't perfect. Parents, you have a sacred duty to love your children well. And no doubt all the parents in this room pour themselves out for their kids. And kids, you have an important job to obey your parents, to trust them, to receive help, to love them back, and to learn someday how to live on your own. But our families are not perfect at it. And in fact, families can hurt each other. Friends can hurt each other. Friends will do awful things to each other. That goes from preschool to the retirement home. No matter where you are in life, the imperfection and hurt that we put on each other will leave its mark. It will cut deeply. I'm going to make a confession here this morning. Before I met Jesus... I was a very mean young man. Believe it or not, when I was in sixth grade, I was suspended from school for a day. I was suspended because I and a couple other kids bullied two other kids. And it's something I'm terribly, terribly ashamed of. 
I wish I could go back and take back everything that I said and everything that I did. And I was mean to these two other kids because putting them down somehow made me feel like I fit in better. We just wanted to have our little club. You know what's crazy? He's actually one of those guys that we bullied, ended up being one of my best friends in high school. I was so worried about where I belonged, and I so wanted others to accept me and think I was great that I made others feel bad and made them feel like they didn't belong. How crazy is that? And you know, as I was suspended and I spent that day home from school, do you know what I felt when I was back home? What do you think? I felt alone. We do crazy things to fit in and belong. Each of us. We worry about where we feel like we belong. And here's the bad news. We will feel alone without the God we need. Each one of us will feel alone at times and it's self-inflicted because we run from God towards sin and towards other things. Each one of us will be missing the one that we were created to belong to. We were created to be in relationship with God. This is what is said in Acts 17 about Paul. He preached this as well. He said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And later on he said, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him because he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our very being. We were created with a God-shaped hole in our lives. We were born with this. And our search for finding a place of belonging will never be satisfied in other people. Friends are wonderful, but they won't make you feel complete. Marriages are wonderful, but they won't make you feel complete. This ridiculous idea of romantic relationships being the thing that's ultimately going to fulfill you and you'll finally have arrived. I mean, that's what ends up making marriages have such difficulties because these expectations are totally unreasonable. New toys or new possessions can seem like they will make us happy, but they will always fail to keep us satisfied. The bad news is we will feel alone without the God we need. But there is very, very good news this morning, right? Because our God is good. And that's what we talked about all week. No matter the bad news, God is good. And what's the picture from our passage that gives us how good God is? What's the picture from the passage? Romans 8. You are the children of God. That God brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we can cry, Abba, Father. And if we're children now, then we're also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Wait a second. That is ridiculous. That, how ridiculously good is that? Let me tell you a story to explain how ridiculously good this is. It's about a, a guy with a funny name. His name is John Valjean. I didn't make the story up. It's pretty famous. Les Miserables. I'm not saying that correctly. Miserable. Tim's going to correct me later on that. He actually knows French. John Valjean was a man who was very poor. And he spent 19 years in jail for stealing bread. 
And when he was released from jail, he came to the small town of Dean. And he had nowhere to go, nowhere to sleep, no food to eat. But then the bishop of the town, Bishop Muriel, he took him in. He brought him into his home. He fed him. He gave him a bed. Gave him more than he needed. More than he could have asked for. But that night as John slept, or as everyone else in the house slept, John got up from bed and he went to the cupboard and he stole all the silverware that the bishop had in his home. He stole it and he went on the run. He didn't make it very far though. The police caught John and they dragged him back to the bishop. And when the police caught him, John said, oh, oh, the bishop, he gave it to me. He gave it to me. The police were like, there's no way. They dragged him in to the bishop and they said, this guy, he said that you gave him all this silverware. Can you believe this? We should throw him in prison. And I'm sure in that moment, John felt like, this is it, this is over, I'm going back to jail for good. Then the bishop looked down at John and this is what he said. He said, John, there you are. Why did you leave so early? You left behind that which was most valuable. You left behind these two silver candlesticks, the most valuable thing I have, and I'm giving them to you. Of course, this is a made-up story. It's the musical. But John, I mean, you can just feel it. He deserved to be punished, to be thrown out. And this is what God does with us to the tenth degree. Do you know how ridiculously good this good news is this morning? That God would call us in all of our brokenness His children. More than that, His heirs, His co-heirs with Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is without sin, without blemish, the one who loved perfectly. When we deserve to be alone, God says, I love you. God says this to us. Young people, God says, I love you. I'm making you mine. And every good thing that I have, you are now my heirs. I give it to you. How ridiculously good is that? We ask this question, why did Jesus die on the cross for us? And Why did He die on the cross and rise again? To forgive our sins, yes, that's the answer that I think comes to our mind immediately. For those who have been around at all, or heard, heard the Bible much, you, this is what we've recited in our head, to forgive us of our sins. And that is true, yes. It's to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, yes. But also to adopt us. To make us His children. This is outrageous love and grace. Outrageous grace isn't a favor you can achieve by being good. It's the gift you receive by just being God's. Outrageous grace is God's goodness that comes looking for you when you have nothing but brokenness to offer in return. It's a farmer paying a full day's wages to the last picking of day laborers with only a single hour punched on their time cards. It's the insanity of a shepherd going after the one sheep who strays, who's so foolish to stray, and leaving behind the 99 at risk. The love of a father who hands over his finest rings and robes to his young son who squandered his inheritance with wild living. It's a one-way love that calls you into the kingdom not because you've been good, but because God has chosen you and He's made you His own. And now He's chasing you to the ends of the earth 
He wants to keep you as his child. And nothing in heaven or hell can ever stop him. Why does God do this? Because of love. This is out of his love. God adopts us out of his free love. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. That just sounds ludicrous and wild, right? And now we can know God truly as our Father. And that's, I think, my favorite part of this whole passage. It's right there in the middle. It says, now we can call him Abba, Father. You know, Abba is this word, this old Hebrew word, which is it's this word for basically the most intimate expression that a child could have for their father. It's like daddy. That we can call God daddy, father. See, when we were alone, God adopted us as his children and made us his heirs. We will feel alone in this life, but the good news means God has given us a forever home as his adopted children. God is good. That's right. God is good. So how do we respond this morning? I want to begin by asking ourselves, where do you get your sense of belonging? Where do you get your sense of belonging this morning? I think there's two easy ways to figure this out. If I was to ask you, tell me about yourself. Tell me. Who are you? Mike Ori, who are you? (laughs) If I was to ask you that, what would you say to me? I think the things we answer first are telling. They're the things that we identify ourselves by. And this is true in kindergarten, and it's true for the septuagenarian, the 70-year-olds. And the second way we can figure this out is if I was to ask you, or if I was to see where you spend your time and your money, what would they say about us? We invest in the things we value, the things that we want to identify ourselves with, the things we desire to increase in order to feel like we've arrived or that we belong. Martin Luther said this. He said, whatever your heart clings to and confides in is really your God. I'm going to ask you again, where do you get your sense of belonging this morning? And are you satisfied? Do you feel like you've arrived? Because when I think about this feeling of of dissatisfaction, I like to think about Christmas morning. How many of you look forward to Christmas morning? Come on, kiddos, I know you do. I know you do. I do. That's why my hand's up. How many of you kids have opened all of your presents, opened all of them up, and had the thought, oh, I didn't get the drone. I didn't get Minecraft or Jacks. I don't know what do kids get, get these days. <laughs> you felt dissatisfied after getting so much? Now, adults and parents, I know you felt the same way. You just hide it a little better. But also, for adults and parents, how about after all that hard work of the holiday and all the shopping? Have you felt dissatisfied with your kids or your friends' response to your gift? On a day that promises to make us so happy and fulfilled and feel like we've got everything you could possibly need, that's what the commercials say, how could you feel dissatisfied? How could you still feel alone? But you know that you do. Because we're placing our hope in things that don't give us our true identity 
that fall far short of giving us any real belonging. This is very good news this morning. Because Jesus died on the cross because he rose again from the dead. All he asks is that you put your faith in him and say, God, Jesus, I want to follow you. I need you. And this is what he's done. He's adopted you. Like a little child without parents, with no family, with no one who loves them. Like how the Stevensons, our global outreach partners who we supported this week at VBS, how they're adopting a child to bring them into a home, to love them. These fall far short of the picture of how God brings us home in the fullest sense. He says, I'm your good, good, good Father. He says, I love you. I'm giving you a home, a permanent home. So we can respond this morning by saying, God, we want to find our true belonging as being your children. But that's not all this morning. Because if God makes those who put their faith in Him as all children of God, what does that make us one to another? Part of a family that makes you my brothers and my sisters. In the back, they got it right. And when you do that, when you become part of a family, Paul makes it clear that those who believe in Jesus have been given life by the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to bring out some implications of all this. It's important that those who belong to Jesus live as those who belong to Jesus. Every time that adoption is mentioned in Scripture, it's followed up with this, that now you're a part of God's family. Live like you belong to Jesus now. This is a matter of integrity. If you know God's love poured out for you that would make you His very child, then you know the type of love that's necessary to communicate love to one another. You know how to imitate the Father. So we're to be done with hate. We're to be done with name-calling. And that's not just for the kids. We're to be done with gossip, with competition. Being with the first and second graders, I, I learned this past week that one of the most important things in the world is to be first in line. It just is. But doesn't that extend a little bit past first and second grade? Maybe not first in line, but that idea of competition, to be seen as first, to get to go first. I heard old lady Astrid this past week say, no name calling. You know why? Because God gives us a name. A perfect name. And it's adopted son, it's adopted daughter, it's heir. So we need to respond to this good news by joyously imitating the type of love that God pours out for us. That's so displayed at the cross. We imitate this with our love for one another. So church, our response to this good news must be that we are the family that lovingly lives our lives as those who know the Father. And we know that you are my brother, that you are my sister, and the love of the one true God Almighty. It's on display, it's imitated. God is so good. And we see that most clearly through the gospel event. The good and true account that God in the person of Jesus came to the earth, he died on the cross and rose again from the dead, and he did this to change everything, to rescue us from darkness, but also to adopt us and make all those who call upon his name children. And this is what each of us needs and each of us longs for. 
We can look for belonging elsewhere. We can look for it in so many different places. But the only belonging that is perfect, that actually satisfies, that actually takes away the loneliness, is a relationship with God, the Father who loves you. Kiddos, if you hear nothing else this morning, know this. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He's calling you to make your home with Him. Because when we were alone, when we were alone, God adopted us as His children and heirs. Hallelujah. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank You for the cross. We thank You for the resurrection. We thank You for this hope that we cling to this morning. That every time that we feel alone, every time that we recognize the imperfection of all the things that we pursue, that we can cling to You, that we can call upon You and we can say, Daddy, Abba, Father, I need You. God, I pray that each of us here would know You as our good, good Father. Help us to understand that this morning. Help us to cling to You this morning. Each one of us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.